0: It was a big day for Adrian Gore and the Discovery Group financial results released today. They look pretty good when you look at the normalized earnings business, but there's, there's so much, it's such a big company now and so involved around the world that in the next 15 minutes, we're going to try and get a really good inside track on where it's going to. The numbers for the year to end June just released uh, we'll be finding out a little bit about that, but mainly looking forward. Adrian, I guess the thing that came to me uh, looking through the results and would be to most people is you've now resumed dividends, so it would appear as though the COVID uh, story is now behind you.
1: Uh, yes, yes. I think there was there was a number of issues just the kind of in the COVID, it becoming endemic, but I think maybe more important, just the environment being fairly risky and unknown at the time, Um, and just getting our new initiatives to a stage of of kind of focus and clarity. So there were a bunch of issues, and we we actually didn't feel strongly about not restarting it. You know, the first time I said we didn't, we got quite a, 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 you know, bad feedback from the market. But in fact, the second time, the interims or the final, the market was quite, you know, understanding. So we've been pretty comfortable just starting at the right time. It's not a dramatically big event, quite frankly. It was inevitable.
0: When we look at the normalized earnings, though, they've now doubled from the low of the COVID, of the worst of the COVID time. So I guess that is well. It's clear that it was a a big impact. Have you quantified yet what the pandemic cost, Discovery?
1: Well, we paid. You know, I should clarify the numbers. It's a few years off, but I mean, you look at the actual mortality claims. There were about twelve billion, I think, gross that we paid. So you know, that's a huge amount. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, that was structured in careful ways. We had reinsurers. There's a lot of structures to make sure that that was sustainable. But um, it was it's was very, very substantial. Um, but at the same time, you've got to be careful here because I think what COVID did is it it made health and life cover more relevant. So lapsation had gone down. You know, so these things are not not clear cut. But the cost was beside the human life, which is terrible. Uh, it, was, it was it was it was it was dramatic. I mean, you can see how quickly I think we've recovered. The life company already has exceed its liquidity targets, all those liquidity buffers and our refill. You know, so we've done have done good work to make sure that we we are completely back to where we should be uh, pre COVID. So it, it was a it was a dramatic event. I was saying this morning that that, you know, this is really complex times. and you know, there really are, but I think less than COVID. There was a, you, you recall, there was section unknown about clearly would we survive this thing? I don't just mean financially. Am I right? It was a very, very unsettling time. I don't think what we're going through now is of the same level of you know, there's some real black swans out there, nuclear, all kinds of geopolitical risks and com- country risks. But I, I just, I feel as a life and health issue, COVID was a bigger uncertainty. It turned out to be less so, but that it was tremendous.
0: Yeah, geopolitics is certainly coming um, front and center now. From your perspective, how, how big a foreign shareholder base do you have? It's quite substantial.
1: I, I, I should know this, but of kind of a free float, I think more than fifty percent is offshore.
0: So I presume um, a lot of the talking that you have with foreign investors, although South Africa is not all by any means, um, Discovery Group would be telling them about South Africa and perhaps selling South Africa, which can't be that easy right now. Uh, no, it's
1: it's not. It's not, and I think there is a narrative issue. That often I find the foreign. The foreigners are actually more hopeful than our locals often. I find that's an interesting paradox. Um but there's some self selection. These shareholders already made a view that there's potential, that's why they're investors. You know what I'm saying to you? So it's not you're not selling to the uninitiated to an extent. Um, um and often I think our I guess the feedback from our shell often is you've got incredible IP, how do you scale it quicker globally? That tends to be the challenge. It's less so of, you know, the South African story, so to speak. I mean your point is right, but I think that. Our challenges, and I think reality, that is the case. How do we globalize? that? The model is so applicable, so powerful, know we, we need to scale up quicker. I'm, I'm pleased with the growth. I think we need to do more quicker, frankly.
0: But the vitality group, the global group, is certainly starting to hit its traps now.
1: It is, it is, but it, it, it's still not material enough, um, number one. Number two, uh, I don't mean this in any patronizing way. What, I, what our partners are doing with it is, is incredible. Chain data this morning about Sumitomo Life and John Hancock. Incre- these are great companies, already, really of exceptional scale and quality, but they've done so well with the model. And that's, that's don't begrudge them, quite the opposite. We're very, very extremely excited and, and grateful for that. But, you know, we should get, we need to get more scale from the global impact of that. You know, not from them, I'm saying, but just globally. We need to do more. With it. So there's, there's work being done to make sure we can. I was trying to allude to some of the work on the actual model itself, the ability to demonstrate change, the ability to modularize things. Uh, so then the deals we're trying to do now, we can actually demonstrate value and share in that value properly. Um, so there's a lot that we're doing, but but um, I, I think we're all pleased with where we got to, but I think much more needs to be done. I think that's really probably the challenge going forward, how you achieve that.
0: It's been a heck of a journey if you go back to when you invested initially in the United States and, and had that big write-off, uh, at which stage it, it would have made many other people gun-shy. It just got you on a different path. <laughs>
1: That's interesting. You know, you and I've spoken about this for years. It's interesting. I mean, on one hand, it was an incredibly low moment and I kind of concede that. But on the other hand, I think without that learning, I wouldn't be here and we wouldn't be here. These are the kind of things that you you know I'm saying to you. The, the kind of the, the the madness to go into the US market, start a health insurer. Uh we were a tiny little company here then we were, you know, with limited capital. And in fact we did better than I thought we'd do, if you actually look at it. So it's a funny thing. I look back at it with some sense of fondness. It's, I know it sounds bizarre. You might think it's idiotic, but it actually is interesting. You know, these are the kind of things in a journey that, that, that build resilience, you
0: know. Life is a journey, and your UK journey is now very interesting to see how the life insurance business vitality in the, in the UK is, is really starting to expand quite well, whereas the, the healthcare business slightly down in the past year. Is there anything to read into that? No,
1: I think actually the, the healthcare business had an interesting dynamic. I mean, the, the, two years ago, what happened during COVID is while life claims really climbed, health claims didn't because people couldn't use their healthcare system. So you had this, you had this reduction in claim levels, and therefore what appeared to be super profits. We were pretty clear that those were those claims are going to come back for sure, and we reserve that. Now it's a short-term business; so you can reserve it in unearned premium reserve. There's a short-term ability to do that, and we released that over the last two years. And that that uplift uh, two years ago was party in effect of that. In this period, that's come through a bit, but more of it is about it's really grown quickly. The NHS difficulties has meant more people are demanding private health insurance. So there's a new business strain element. And the other is claims are coming back, for sure. Two things. One is post-COVID, now people are claiming. The other is the nature of private medical insurance in the UK has changed. It used to be about you know overcoming waiting periods. Now with the NHS, people are buying it for outpatient cover. They're buying it for cancer coverage. So the claim patterns are different. So we you know there's a massive growth um, spurt we're seeing, and we grow faster in the market. They're both a brilliant company, the team there. But there is a complexity about how claims levels play out. We need to be careful in the underwriting and the pricing and make sure we understand that stuff. So it's not, it's actually growing at a rapid rate. It's about how you manage the new business strain and how you manage what is for sure going to be different clinical and claim levels that we have to deal with.
0: Adrian, even for people who know Discovery, it's a complex business. There's a lot of numbers to process. If a person from Mars um, or well, a person who knows nothing about the group uh, were to ask you in a nutshell what it is that, that impressed you in the past year and indeed what it is that you do, how would you answer that?
1: I actually may make it too complex. You know, these presentations are too long. They're too, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something to make it simpler. But I, I, the, I mean, the truth is, I think you should break it up. I mean, the South African piece is a, is a, is a financial conglomerate anyway with, with, with the typical product houses. And I would simply say it's, it's an integrated structure on this vitality shared model. But really, at the end of the day, it's, it's now a bank. It's a life, health, insurance, etc. I don't think that should be complex. I think in the UK, it's now much simpler. It's a life and health insurance on the same model. Maybe the Vitator group is a bit is a is a bit of a lumpy set of opportunities in it, you know. And we've pulled them together, um, but I would I, I don't know if I looked at the year past. I think I think one theme for me has been robustness across the board, which I think is very appealing for us. The other is I think the standout performance of the bank. I think that is certainly a which I think is unusual. There's been a lot of bank startups, as you will know around the world, digital, you know, neobanks. There's been virtually no success stories. This, you know. The discovery bank is really for fast, uh, performing ahead of expectation, which is unusual for a new business. I think the you know the UK um, growth, and it's a self-standing business with a brand that is now really well established in the UK. And then I think the other is is just um, the potential in the you know in the vitality group in, in in working with partners around the world. I mean I think everything has gone quite well. I don't think there should be any hubris. Every one of these issues has challenge, but I feel that we've focused down on getting rid of wasteful areas of getting stuff that is unfocused out and we are focused on the stuff we know will grow. Um, so it's been actually quite important. The, study, the focus is not yet over. There's a few areas we still are making sure we address cleanly and get the focus right. So we're not through that period, but we really are pushing hard to get the model with and get the growth out of it in all of these markets.
0: Are you starting to consolidate a little? And I, I ask this because Discovery's always been highly innovative. You, you pride yourself... On, or yourselves, on starting new operations with a bank? Is it such a big bite that you possibly need to slow down elsewhere while until you get that into profitability?
1: No, I, I actually, it's, it's a great question. I actually don't think so. I think that went to a time where we became a bit unfocused, too many things at the same time, but not material. I think the learning is a few big things that really make a difference. So the bank is something, I mean, I think it's something – I mean, retrospect, I didn't realize how big it would be. You know, I, I remember a couple of years ago, it's the only time I think in, in Discovery's history, I woke up at three in the morning and thought, "Jeez, this thing is, you know, will we get it to scale? You know what I mean? I've never, I've always had this, call it like a, you know, it's maybe an irrational kind of entrepreneur's kind of thing. That we'll figure it out. We were, you know what I'm saying to you? With the bank, I remember one evening thinking, one in the middle of the night, thinking, this thing is big. This is, a, this is actually a big bet, uh, you know, uh, and it's maybe a healthy thing. But but it's, I don't think it's too big to, to chew. I think actually now it's illustrating the power of scale and focus quite the opposite. If you're going to do new things, new things of scale. Don't get caught in small operations and small startups. And they take no matter what you do. I've seen it takes five years. The smaller startups. So don't don't waste time on stuff that is not material. And I, th- I think that that kind of focus is good. So I think quite the opposite. I think that I think you're right. We've had we've we've done well starting businesses, but all of them take a lifetime of work. And they all take five to 10 years to scale. So it's more around, do them, but do do a few things that are big. Even in the Vitality Group with our partners, I think what we've seen is a few really, we showed some data this morning, Sumitomo and John Hancock. First time allowing us to show actual data. These are massive partners. You know, if we can do more of them, we're trying to do more with John Hancock in the US. That's, you know, if we can get that to work, that's substantial. I'm trying to make sure we, and I'm, I'm, I'm to blame with the team, we get sidetracked on a whole lot of things. We're enthusiastic, you know. I think that lack of discipline
0: we've 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 corrected. Is that well? If you were and you do talk a lot to entrepreneurs, is that one of the themes that you would perhaps, from your own learnings, that you would share? Oh, definitely,
1: definitely. I think that um, look, we've always had that deal about acquisitions. You know, this is you know from our start. If you're going to do an acquisition, do something that's massive that is transformative. Don't get caught in absorb. You know, so I've always had that discipline. I think. Uh, but I think we, we were, and rightly so, the model is so applicable to so many things, it's easy to get, and, and I mean, to be truth, some of the stuff that we've curtailed showed considerable promise, so, you know, it, it actually took a discipline to say, listen, this is going to take a long time, a lot of capitals will get there, but we can't do that now. And uh, I've always, you know, one of the one of the important, I forget who said it, but the great CEO is, is the individual who can tell you what, what not to do, you know, saying to you, that discipline is is critical. So, I don't know the answer. I mean, these things are not linear. I mean, my sense is that my sense is that um, one of the lessons, I think, is do things that really are material. Don't waste time and
0: resource on, on the marginal. Even if it's got potential, it's going to get you caught. And the model is the shared value model, which a lot of people say is, is just talk. Um, but you've lived it.
1: Well, I think the data is so compelling. You know, um, every time I do our results presentation, we sat last night like late, Okay, should we tell the market about the model? It's very important. I get overly enthusiastic. And, you know, our team says, you've told the same story 10 times. No, but the only difference is the data coming out is so compelling. You know? So you look at Sumitomo and John Hancock. It is, it is incredible. You know, so, so I think that we've got to, I think we've, this is part of monetizing that IP, the ability to demonstrate the effect on mortality, morbidity, you know, embedded values that you can actually illustrate the economic value of how this plays out and the social value. And I think we can. You know, We're spending a lot now, I alluded to this morning, but a lot on this kind of much more hyper-personalized approach. Each individual has their own pathway, getting change in that regard. Uh, that stuff, will, that stuff will, will, will change things for us. So, so it is not, I can assure you, it's not, it's not just talk. The data is so incredibly compelling. You know, once you accept that behavior is causal, behavior change is causal, if you accept that, it changes everything. Once you accept that if you can change behavior, you get a difference in in outcome. And we're seeing that now. I mean, the data, physical activity, and other things is so compelling. It would seem so intellectually lazy to think that that's talk. You know what I'm saying? Unless you don't believe that, that data. So, I mean, I think the burden of proof is on us, I guess. So, you know, the challenge is there.
0: But being the pioneer of this, now looking back, would there have been another way, a better way, perhaps, to leverage that invention?
1: Actually, you no. Know, I I think with deeper conviction, maybe our partnerships would have been more demanding of of sharing the upside. Uh, you know what I'm saying? To you? I think quite the opposite. I think it's worked so well. But I think when you're a small South African company and you get a chance to partner some of these great companies, you don't need to do the best deal. Now, I don't mean this in any case where Our partners have been remarkable, they're generous, they're fantastic, and, and they've done well. I don't mean to. I've just to you, I think I think that we've, we've we we could have been. We could, have been, we could have maybe taken that approach differently. I think we're doing that now. We're working with partners to deepen relationships, et cetera. So I'm actually not one. I don't know about you. I'm not one to regret everything we've done as being because of good steps in the past. You know, I remember Larry Diplano, who I think is, as you know, is one of the wisest guys you'll ever meet. He always made the point to me, You know, good decisions come from experience, experience comes from bad decisions. You know, I mean, that is, that is the, uh, you know, And uh, so I actually don't have any regrets. We've kind of learnt that process, um, important.
0: With all of this that's going on, you still find time to help a little bit with the national challenges here in South Africa. Not always appreciated. Um, there's quite a lot of criticism of big business and they're saying that uh, Adrian Gore and co are part of the problem, not part of the solution. How do you respond to that, that kind of criticism?
1: Look, I, don't, I think that criticism is, is healthy. We need to answer to it. Um, um, but having said that, I mean, my calculation is, there's serious issues of potential failure in the areas we've highlighted: energy, logistics, crime. We know that. I'm not convinced. I think it's a cognitive error to think to let that fail is a better way to the solution. You know, what I'm saying to you, I think that. I think I think we're caught in the election noise and you know all the stuff, and you know that may be the case. But I think just ignoring that stuff, getting getting collective work done on fixing power stations and fixing the railways if we can, not us, I'm saying collectively, if that can be done. Changes sentiment that, that makes the world safer. I think that when people, and we've seen that the research shows it, I, there's an amazing paper in The Economist recently, you, you, you might have seen it, but just when you get, when people are concerned about the future security, they become sectarian, they become withdrawn, they don't become, they, they don't like to take surveys, they, they become more religious, they become more focused on their own groups, and I think that creates uh, polarization that's dangerous in a country like ours. So I think the concept that things can fail and then we'll pick it up and the rationality will hold, I'm not convinced it's that linear. I think there's a safer, I think, any, I think we should fix it anyway, but I think that if you want positive growth, I think you've got to give people a sense of security about the future. They then become cooperative, they change their views. So I'm giving it, it's, it's like sorry, it's a, it's, a, it's a lumpy answer, but I, I guess my view is fix things while we can, number one. Number two, I think that if you want to see positive building, the more people feel secure about the future, the safer it is for us, and I think that country like ours, where there is potential, massive good faith, but it has an easy underbelly that can be that can be inflamed easily. I, I think that the safer route is fixed while we can, and forget about the politics. So I think we're to be careful not to get caught in in what you say, which is a legitimate issue. We shouldn't be pawns in any political game or be seen to supporting anyone group other than the other. But we've got people in power stations with soldering irons. You know what I mean? <laughs> These are, you know, with, you know, with uh, cigarettes sticking out of the ear. You know, that's, that's what's happening. If they, if they can get traction with ESKIM, you know, in a collaborative way, this would be a fantastic thing. So I think we'll be judged on, frankly, on the traction we get. That, that ultimately is what we have to show. If you don't judge traction, it's been wasteful.
0: I really enjoyed what you uh, presented uh, a couple of months ago with Discovery Green, um, doing your thing to bring in a, almost like a, a united force. Amongst businesses that they could work together on um, renewable power, what's the reaction been like to that initiative? It's been it's it's been incredible.
1: I mean, we've had what we've found is every company is grappling the same problem we have. They've got carbon targets, and they can't put solar on their roof. It's not like a house. You, you know you've got so much power you need, and they don't have the scale necessarily to do it. So this idea of kind of almost creating a securitization pl- platform, we are. Inundated with potential clients, so let me not be. Let me not. There's no hubris here. I it will take this time, but we've had 30 or 40 big corporates that we're talking to about joining the platform. So it's been quite remarkable. I mean, it's it's actually the it's it's an interesting story. It's not a core business, and you know you could say to the point, focus. I've just told you everything about staying in your lane, etc. This is complete. But in fact, this is not in the same category. This was a a team of our part of our team that's been looking at the whole problem for us as a group, a smart group of actuaries and other people in the space. And the idea of, you know, we could do this thing if you just back it and we can, you know, we'll, with light capital. So it's actually an interesting, you know, I wouldn't call it AWS and Amazon, where you've got like kind of a complete parallel. But it has a feeling of that of smart guys giving a bit of a bit of rope to do something. And it has incredible potential. So let's see where it gets to. The response has been tremendous.
0: Adrian Gore is the chief executive of Discovery Group, and I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com.